You are listening to the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network, presented by Walmart. Hey there. If you've listened to the first couple of episodes of the show, you may recall we introduced this debate between myself and one of my co-hosts, JD, about which diss rap is better, Ice Cube's No Vaseline or Tupac's Hit Em Up? Well, today we find out the definitive answer. Welcome to Dungeons and Durags, episode four, Who's Dis? It was August 3rd, 2018, the day of my 16th wedding anniversary and two days before my own daughter's wedding. My wife, daughter, and mother-in-law were all out shopping and celebrating the pending nuptials of our daughter for a, a whole host of very complicated reasons that go beyond the scope of this podcast, I was spending it at home alone. But I'm not alone, got my sword in my hands Giants, they try to take over the land But we won't be moved by the monsters of man They're gonna fall down, we're gonna stand Hey, cause I see them fall I see them fall So here I was, frustrated, a little salty, and missing my wife Then I see a Blaze TV video by African-American talk piece for the Republican Party, Deneen Borelli. Borelli was a Fox News political columnist and author of Blacklash, how Obama and the left are driving Americans to the government plantation. Dear Lord. Um, She was laying into LeBron James for her statement against Donald Trump. Disrespecting the anthem is disrespecting our country and the men and women who fought for it. Yet here we are, 2018, and LeBron James is criticizing President Trump for weighing in on the debate surrounding the national anthem. Sooner or later it's gonna get better. I got a message on slump your effort. We gotta get it, we fighting together. No time to let up or settle and never I fracking lost it. And I called her something I have never ever called another black person in my entire life at the time. I called her a house negro. And I mean, come on, she was, she is. And, and let me be clear, I don't necessarily think being a conservative black person automatically makes you one. I know black people who are perhaps fiscally conservative and maybe even a little socially so as it relates to some provocative topics that contradict certain aspects of the quote unquote Christian culture, but you would never in a million years call these people house negroes. They speak out against racial injustice and call white supremacy on its shit. The black people like Deneen Borelli who publicly support Trump and denounce those making a stand to raise awareness of social injustices and racial injustice are, in my humble opinion, examples of modern day house negroes. I mean, it's like textbook definition. Am I wrong about that? So sharing all of this on Facebook, because, you know, it's cathartic. And I get into it with this Confederate-loving white man from Atlanta who starts lecturing me how racist I am because I'm calling Deneen on her shit and raising issues of white privilege. I remind this dude that Martin Luther King Jr. was as hated by white America in his day as Colin Kaepernick is today. He then goes on to lecture me about Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) and how he was a Christian minister and didn't ever disrespect the flag, yada, yada, yada. Now, I refer to this guy in my manuscript as Doofus Asshole, and I can neither confirm nor deny that that nickname corresponds to his actual initials. 
and I can honestly say that this post and my interactions with Mr. Asshole was a turning point for me in my evolution as a black man, recognizing, speaking out against, and fighting injustices in this country. I just couldn't take it anymore. And yes, he was a self-proclaimed Christian. One by one, white Christians, some I knew and some I didn't, came out of the woodwork, getting into debates with me about how great President Trump was, or quoting me verse in scripture about how Trump was like a modern day David, and while though he had his fault, he could be used by God for good. I love how these people classify Trump's rhetoric and action as quote unquote faults. Then there was this one guy who used to follow my filmmaking blog, where I used to write a lot of inspirational articles about following your creative passions. You know, when I was a safe black man, before I started writing about politics and racial injustice. This guy had the audacity, the unmitigated gall, to ask me why everything I was writing was so negative all the time. He wanted to see positive Ron again. And yes, he was white. All our brother wanted to do was share with the world how fracked up I thought Trump and his cronies were. And to my horror and surprise, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, who all just happened to be white, took exception to my critiques. Now, my guess is right about now, you're probably wondering, uh, Ron, what the hell does any of this have to do with diss tracks? Well, my friends, I'm glad you asked that. Now, all of this was happening right about the time when I started to write my book, the one that bears the name of this podcast, Dungeons and Durags. I was having all of these encounters online with self-proclaimed Christians praising this man and the actions of the Republican Party, and they were literally fueling my determination and drive. As I mentioned before on the show, I was feeling betrayed by the church and heartbroken at the number of friends I used to have and who I thought I knew, they were jumping on the Trump train. I had an internal struggle of identity on par with what Odo went through during the final season of Deep Space Nine, when he finally met the other shapeshifters who were his long lost people, the founders. I poured all of that emotion into the book and to help me get into the right headspace, I would listen to my best of Biggie and Tupac's Spotify playlist. And the very first track on that playlist was Tupac's 1996 hit, Hit Em Up. Suffice to say, this song really spoke to my soul. I played it and that playlist repeatedly. Part of listening to that playlist was an emotional release as I processed a lot of heavy stuff I was dealing with at the time. But there was something about this song. At first, I, I wasn't sure what it was that made me connect with it so. Then one day, after months of going at it with assholes and trolls on social media, I listened to the song again and one particular verse stood out to me. Now when I came out, I told you it was just about Biggie. Then everybody had to open their mouth with a motherfucker opinion. Well, this is how we gonna do this. Fuck Mob Deep, fuck Biggie, fuck Bad Boy as a staff, record label, and as a motherfucking crew. And if you want to be down with Bad Boy, then fuck you too. I heard this lyric and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had a eureka moment. How Tupac was feeling in this lyric was exactly how I was feeling with regards to all of these white Christians 
some of whom used to be friends, not unlike how Biggie and Pac were once friends. And this is how I wrote it in my book. You gotta film it. This is hip hop savior. Now when I came out, I told you it was just about Trump. But then everyone had to open their mouth with a motherfucking opinion. But this is how we're going to do this. Fuck doofus asshole. Fuck Mr. Positive Ron. Fuck right-wing evangelicals as a group, a political movement, and as a motherfucking crew. And if you want to be down with Trump, then fuck you too. I don't know if that has the same level of gravitas as the way Tupac did it. And trust me, if I tried, I would just sound silly and it it wouldn't be authentic. But I think you get the idea. Now, you need to understand the significance of me dropping that many F-bombs at once. As you might have guessed, if you've listened to the show for a while, it's rare that I go there. In fact, I have an entire chapter dedicated to my reticence at saying the F-word. So for me, Hit Em Up has a special place in my heart. But I wasn't all that surprised when my good friend and co-host JD had this to say about my affinity for the song. You're still way off on that, but I understand because you weren't around half the time. So you, I mean, well, I, it's it, like it, someone, it's someone, someone who is unaware of what they're talking about. It's so I get it, I get it. Because Cube had a whole bunch to say, and he kept saying he could have spoke for you know 15 more minutes, right. and everything was just it was like one big haymaker landing after another. And I was like, good lord, this dude demolished them. Now, as a quick reminder, not that most of you will need it, No Vaseline was Ice Cube's rejoinder against his fellow rap crew NWA when they publicly dissed him in a song as a response to him going solo. JD goes on to explain why he feels so strongly about No Vaseline. Here he is in an excerpt from a conversation we had with a fellow filmmaker that we're going to introduce a little bit later in this episode, talking about why he loved this song so much. I find this very interesting because, Isaac, you're you're obviously a little bit younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And Ron was not into hip hop or rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hands down. To me, Ice Cube's No Vaseline is the hardest, coldest it is. diss mm. track ever. And the, and the reason why is because you got to remember at the time, NWA was the biggest act on the planet. Totally. And then Cube left because they were dissing him mm-hmm. and wanted him to sign some crazy contract. Yeah. And then so he left the group. He's going to let every bygones be bygones. Cool. Mm-hmm. We were friends. We broke bread. Now I'm on my own. Sure, sure. Then they came back and dissed him. Yeah. And so then he's like, oh, OK, it's how it is. <laughs> and then and then the crazy thing is um, when you got the, the CD, the, it's not even on the, the CD. You don't know that that track's there. Right. So you play the CD and me and my buddies were listening. I remember I was at USC. We're all oh, you mean it's not, it's not on the jacket. It's not the on CD. the it's not. You don't know it's on the CD. And so then and so then you listen to the whole thing. Like, and we got to the end of what was of the last song. Listen, oh, man, he didn't go in on N.W.A. Oh, he's soft or oh, whatever. And then it's like, he's like, oh, wait, hold up. I forgot something. Oh, man. Hot damn, y'all done went and set it off. I was like, oh, shit. We were just, it was like being at the party. We oh, all, all over the house. It was, and everything oh, he said in that God. track was real. I mean, yeah. it, it, it was so oh, cold-blooded that he got Dr. Dre so mad. Dr. Dre beat up D Barnes at a club. He like beat her up and threw her down some stairs because she had the audacity to interview Cube after that song came out. That diss right. track was everywhere. Everybody's like, oh my God, do you see how he clowned it? Oh, no, in the history of diss tracks, no one has ever had that yeah. type of, but if you weren't in that moment, you wouldn't know it. You already know how the drama goes. I'm always trying to find another word that rhyme with flows. No pun intended, but I'm cold like a runny nose. Was JD right? 
Was my lack of rap knowledge embarrassingly obvious in choosing Hit 'em Up over No Vaseline? Well, as I want to do, I struck out on an adventure amongst the more seasoned and experienced music and hip-hop aficionados to get other people's take. And you may be surprised at what I found. After the break, we'll find out. So we left off with JD's passionate explanation as to why he believes Ice Cube's No Vaseline is a superior piece of rapping retort than Tupac's Hit Em Up. He insinuates that my belief that Tupac's song is a better diss is quote-unquote cute and understandable given my lack of knowledge on the topic. And for what it's worth, I don't blame him. I remember the time when we were going over a pitch deck that I was putting together for the animated version of the show that I've referenced before. And in part of that deck, I included screenshots from black animated shorts that I had found on YouTube. You know, sources of inspiration for our show. And one of the, one of the shorts was this comedy series about Little Wayne and Birdman. <laughs> and at the time, I just thought it was a funny and quirky show about Little Wayne, who I had heard of, and some dude who likes to think he's a bird. Needless to say, JD and Yolanda had another series of side-spooling laughter when we got into that discussion. Now, in my defense, in this particular cartoon, Birdman is dressed up like a bird, so just saying. Anyway, so from JD's perspective, I can understand his outlook on my opinions. Being the intellectual researcher that I am, I reached out to verifiable experts on the topic to see what they thought. First up are two of my colleagues in a company for which I am a marketing consultant and advisor. The company is Shopavise, a startup that will allow users to have a curated shopping experience. The co-founder is Charles Coleman II, a brother I used to work with at another tech company. Charles has also been a musician himself for quite a number of years. That's a clip from his music video, Not My Problem. His co-writer on that song is a veteran of the music industry himself, Amilcar Welton, known to his friends as Pro, who is serving as a music industry consultant to Shopavise. I got both of these guys on a Zoom call to give me their takes on No Vaseline versus Hit Em Up and the diss track history in general. Here's Pro. And apologies ahead of time for the quality of their audio. It's a little wonky, but uh, the content is so good. And I think you'll be able to hear everything they have to say. I'm going to give the win to No Vaseline. Okay, tell um, me why. You know, Hit Em Up was, man, look, to this day when I listen to Hit Em Up, I still cringe. Like, I I mean, seriously, not even pretending, it makes me cringe at certain lines that Fox said. Like, he was all in on Hit Em Up. <laughs> But, you know, with no Vaseline coming from the West Coast, being a fan of NWA with Ice Cube, NWA without Ice Cube, being a fan of Ice Cube, I felt like, number one, if you just start with the title, <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. Right. The title alone is like, wow, is this what is this where we're going? Is, right. it, is this where we're going, right? right so right. let's start with the title. And then the fact that I felt like, again, not having access to the internet during that time, you know, it goes back. I felt like the things that Ice Cube shared, because mm -hmm. I'm shared because a lot of it was factual, right? We found out later a lot of it was factual. And at the time, you kind of realized, 
hey, some of this is factual. It's just not Ice Cube talking shit, right? Right, right. So I, I feel like the fact that he included facts about, you know, the other M- members of NWA and the business dealings with Jerry Heller and things of that nature. Right. So it's just, damn, like he's he's bringing receipts in the record. Like it's, it's a diss record, but we're finding out stuff that turned out to be true. Like this is how that whole era broke up, right? Right, right. So I think that's kind of what hit me was that and then the fact that you saw it in the streets. You saw the result of people's opinions in the streets. Like, people were clowning Cube at first for leaving NWA because it would be like, I mean, you're talking peak, right? You're talking, they still had a lot of years ahead of them. They probably would have still been touring now on festivals. Like, let's keep it real, right? Right, right. Well, everybody, at least in LA, was like, man, Cube is, but people knew Cube was writing. People knew he was the deliverer lyrically. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like, we know he could do it on his own, but damn, you leave the NWA. But when he dropped that record, everybody was like, damn, what's NWA doing? Like, guys that was in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's why I think the impact on the careers and the moment, I feel like Cube just, just dropped bombs. Like, these are people he was tight with you know Pac on the other side yes he was tight with Biggie but those other individuals he named in the song were never really his family right you know he would day in day out business with them Biggie would be the only exception and then also you know I feel like on the No Vaseline side again it made NWA and their whole team and record labels and the city and the fans question if they could even survive without you right right on the hit em up side as hard as Pac can and that like I said that song still makes me cringe to this day as hard as he came it didn't disrupt Bad Boy right bro on the no Vaseline side Hugh was trying to end their whole like existence right 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 you know that's my brief opinion right <laughs> no I, I, I think there's a good point so that's a vote for no Vaseline from Pro Although, I like the fact that he said that in any given moment, he could go back and forth between the two. Next, Charles weighed in specifically about the two songs. I think I'd, I'd take a different approach. I mean, I think I'm kind of in line with everything that, that Pro talked about. But I think in order to establish, like, the importance of these two pieces uh, within the culture, we have to understand what the currency is. And the currency is respect. Um, it, it's, it's one thing, like to make money, but in hip hop, and I think it's, it's largely, you know, the con- contribution of the disc records is about attacking, you know, what currency you have stored up in the bank in terms of uh, the amount of respect. And I think that Q being an internal group member who came outside the group right. and uh, aired, not only aired the dirty laundry, but did it in a way that um, is, is true to what Cube has always been as an artist, I think like, He's like the realest, the realest that there ever was in terms of like writing, in terms of like, you know, the way that he tells stories. And um, he had a lot of credibility because of that. And so, you know, you got one guy going against a, a, a super group, which is, is really amazing to me. And then with Pac, um, similarly, you know, to Q, Pac was was also known for, for being, quote unquote, the realest. And, um, so the, the realist, I guess, in, in levels is probably like the highest you can get in terms of the respect currency. And Pac knew that he had that and he used that 
that credibility to really drive um, his points uh, against Biggie, as well as the consolidation of the West Coast, which he knew was going to be uh, a force multiplier for him, to put it in, I guess, in big word terms, um, to be able to, to bring the entire West Coast, the weight of the West Coast down uh, on, on the Biggie disc record, uh, which I, I thought was dope. So, not including me and JD, we have a vote for No Vaseline and one for Hit Em Up. The next person I turned to was another buddy of mine that I used to work with at the same tech company that Charles and I worked at. This guy is my good friend Eric Tang. Eric also has a pretty decent history of work in the music biz. You know, I started my music career as an intern. I worked everywhere from Tough Gong, Get A Use, to Universal, to Epic, to Sony, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I made a lot of friends, made a lot of contacts. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, there's just so many people out there just don't know how to get their start. And I think I can help. Them. So we, we were all part of a movement, uh, so to speak, back in the early 2000s uh, into, you know, the mid 2000s. Right. And like right. I came across a lot of people like Jin, Far East Movement, a girl named Chanel. I represented a singer from L.A. Um, her, she was uh, in Playboy. And, and we wanted to kind of bring Asian American or Asians to the forefront, you know, not because we're doing Asian music, but mm -hmm. because we're doing music, right? right? We just so happen to be Asian. So, I mean, I kind of pivoted into doing like booking a show, like how I got, how I got into managing was. Eric continues to explain how his career in the world of music and hip hop grew and evolved over 10 years before he eventually ended up in marketing for tech businesses where I met him. Then I get to the point of the call. So between No Vaseline and Hit Em Up, which of the two do you think is a better? Oh, dude, I, 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 I got to go with Hit Em Up. I mean, Pac, Pac was ruthless with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. like, like he just starts off the record first off, you know, fuck your bitch and the click you quit. You know, <laughs> right. like, I, 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 he just nonstop went after everything that, 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 uh, made biggie what he was like biggie tried to portray this uh this whole this whole persona and he just totally tore it down do you have a favorite diss track if it's not one of those two is there another one that's your personal favorite oh uh, can you give me one second yeah yeah Sorry. for sure no one problem second. okay at this point he needs to go off the call for a bit i think to help with his kids or something <laughs> so as i was waiting i was kind of singing to myself and it was a girl from Ipanema, okay? And apparently he could still <laughs> he could still hear me. Do 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 I could hear your girl from Ipanema. Like, like that, that's the that's the song you go to when you think nobody's listening. I I oh man, would it be awfully racist of me to be like, all right, you are my real life version of Carlton? I actually make that comparison to myself frequently on the show <laughs> it's not, and, and here we are talking about rap like this like record that you're singing the girl from me Benita. do you not like that song i i i mean i don't have a problem with it i, I kind of find it funny that like we're talking about this record the tupac shakur and that's the song you go to because i was listening to my bosa nova soundtrack while i was working so when I'm working, I you like to have back. Society, it didn't mean to me, man. I'm like, what saying. do I know? I'm a poor Chinese boy from Brooklyn. What do I know? <laughs> anyway, so you're saying, do you have a favorite um, diss track, personally, if it's not one of those two? 
if I could ever rap like anybody, it would be like Tupac. And it was because of that track. Yeah. I think the the disc records that are happening nowadays are all mm. manufactured. It wasn't as truthful and as hateful as the the East Coast, West Coast beef. So when you say manufactured, do you mean like the artists themselves were just kind of making up a reason to beef? Like there was no real beef that they were singing about? I believe that, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I, I believe that, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting point that hasn't come up among all the people I've talked about this topic with yet. Because you're right, there is a... I mean, when you listen to like Hit em Up or No Vaseline, I mean, it's it's raw, it's real. It, it ended up... But you with, saw you saw all of that unfold. Yes, you saw it happening in real life, for sure. Like, like the whole cube falling out from NWA, like you saw all of that unfold. Right. Like the East Coast, West Coast, you saw all of that unfold. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, who shot you to like Pac getting shot to like yeah. you saw this like everything else that you see it's not on that level and right. I, 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 I it's a good knock on wood that that it's not on that level but yeah like it's 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 not as raw as it was back in the day right well one of the things I've I've been I've appreciated as I've asked people about these two particular ones is so I get a lot of shit from JD he's like my best friend so my two co-hosts they always give me shit about my carltonness for lack of a better word and so he <laughs> for the record i do not dance like carlton i think my moves are pretty cool you 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 came with me to one of my old yes company's christmas party and right maybe you don't do the carlton dance but it's not far off <laughs> oh that's cold man anyway yeah, back to the back to the topic yeah. at hand so one of the things he gets on me about is insinuating that my picking hit em up is indicative of my lack of knowledge of black culture or whatever like like basically insinuating like because i'm like a quote-unquote baby in the in my knowledge of all these things he can understand why i would like something like hit him up but literally Every person I have asked this, about half the people have picked hit him up between the two, and half have picked no Vaseline. Just saying. <sighs> like, like, and, and like, and the reasons he, like, the reasons he picks no Vaseline are actually very similar to what you said about hit him up. Like, he goes through, like, Cube goes through and this lays all of their shit bare as he talks about, you know, how they worked with their manager at the time and makes fun of Ren and um dre wearing makeup and all this other kind of stuff and so it's kind of similar and it came but, out of nowhere i get where he's coming from but you you gotta admit though like that whole biggie situation and, and, and tupac situation with hit him up it was so personal mm -hmm. like it attacked everything yeah that biggie stood for yeah talked about his wife that he banged her and like she denied it talked right. about how puffy puffy like was whack and like the entire mob deep was like like talked about how he copied his style how he used to beg people to let him sleep like right in the couch when he was coming up you know what i'm saying like it was it was kind of like questioning his 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 authenticity as a rapper you yeah. know like like and, and and like none of that could have happened with, without no vaseline and nwa and that whole situation because obviously they set the stage but right. like is it also coincidental that it included like the same kind of people right like when i say people like 
the 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 death row, the NWA, the, right. the like you know who egged it on, um, and and that's that's what it was. It was it was just straight old fashioned like street beef. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's then that was the difference between any of like the beef nowadays and then. Yeah. Granted, I don't want it ever, ever to go back to then, but like that was a that was a defining moment in hip hop, like not only hip hop history, music history in general. Yeah. By my count, that's one vote for No Vaseline and two for Hit Em Up. Am I completely statistically insignificant research? But hey, even anecdotal evidence like this has some value, which is why another person I chose to ask was my good buddy Frederick Van Johnson. You may remember Frederick from episode two, Never Too Late to Be Black. Like me, Frederick is a marketing expert and visual artist who has done a lot of work in the tech world runs a podcast, and has spent much of his adult life as a black man in a white world. Among other things, JD and I also asked him about this No Vaseline versus Hit Em Up debate. What do you think is a better diss track? Hit Em no Up? No Vaseline. <laughs> oh, why? Yeah, yeah. Play it. Can you play you it? Know, yeah. I know, I, I, you I, know, I'm familiar but, with it. Yeah, no. We, but we, Frederick, he wasn't around at that time. He wasn't in hip-hop, so he, it's hard to explain to somebody how hard no Vaseline was when, Dude, it's when not hard. Cube it's dropped no that Vaseline. Track. It's easy for me to understand it. I totally get it. But we we've had, I wouldn't say an argument. We've had heated discussions about this, you know. And and again, I just say it when to me there's almost like no comparison. It's like I beg to differ. I so I want to hear Frederick's <laughs> reasons why he picks that one. Why do you think? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I have different reasons for. You know, if I if I think about Tupac and when like we, JD, when you said that album dropped, that dropped at a very specific point in my life. Which right? one? So, Which one? So like, Which like no, the no the, Vaseline. No Vaseline, yeah. yeah. So that that dropped, and you know how some songs become your your soundtrack to whatever's going on yeah, in your yes. life. I had a lot of those <laughs> during my divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, a lot yeah. of Kelly Clarkson around or anything. One one point for Frederick. That was good. <laughs> no, actually, animated yeah, gift. A, actually, a, it was a Carlton animated gift. <laughs> right. Actually, it was hit. It was it was my Tupac playlist that I played a lot. But anyway, finish your story. The song oh, no, comes no. on. So I was just. I was just saying, you know, just that, you know, either going through life's issues and uh-huh. crap like that, you know, it's just that's that's my reasoning. All right. So now we have two for no Vaseline and two for hit em up. But I'm determined to arrive at a satisfactory conclusion to this quandary. So I turn to the one place where I know I can get the definitive answer. The Internet. After the break, we'll reveal what I found. Welcome back. As we explore this topic of diss tracks and who has the better one, I have a confession to make. Even though this is only the fourth episode to come out for this podcast, for some reason, it's one of the ones for which I have some of the most trepidation. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, this one has me feeling like that little kid again being teased for talking like a white boy. Or being teased because my voice sounded like Kermit the Frog. And that Kermit the Frog diss came from my 10-year-old nieces. I mean, what the fuck do I know about disraps? I mean, I swear to God, as I was doing research for this episode, I didn't know like a third of the rappers on these lists. Well, that's not true. 
maybe like a fourth, quite possibly a fifth. Anyway, fuck it. Suffice to say, there was a plethora I didn't know. And I for damn sure did not know any of the feuds between these guys. The only ones I really knew about were the feuds between Biggie and Pac and Cube and NWA. But as JD has often teased me, even his 80 year old white grandmama knew about the feud between Pac and Biggie. So what the hell am I up in here trying to make an episode about disraps like I'm Cheo Hodari Coker or some shit? In a nutshell, I was letting JD's words get inside my head. Feeling kind of foolish and silly for picking hit him up as a better diss track than No Vaseline. I mean, what did I know? I kept thinking to myself, I'm going to look silly picking hit him up over No Vaseline. Listeners are going to look at me the way I looked at my son when he was 10 and I asked him his favorite Star Wars film and he said Attack of the Clones. What the hell? What kind of father was I that any child out of my loins would pick that abomination as their best Star Wars film? But I digress. But then something happened on the way to researching this episode. I was watching this YouTube video called The 50 Best Diss Tracks of All Time. It was by the channel Hip Hop Universe. They had over 1.3 million subscribers and this video has over 4.3 million views. So it seems pretty legit. And I think they hit pretty much all the diss tracks ever created. I felt confident they had all the major ones. There was Nas versus Jay-Z, Kumo D versus LL Cool J, Easy e versus Dre and Snoop, the whole nine. And so I'm watching this video and it's counting down and I'm not seeing Hit'em Up. Now I'm thinking, fuck, I'm going to look so stupid making such a strong case for Hit'em Up. It's not even making this list. I was expecting it to be like in the teens or something, at least, maybe top 10, but it was not showing up at all. Then they got to number five and guess who it was. God damn, I'm glad y'all set it off. Used to be hard, now you just went soft. You got it. Cubes, no Vaseline. Number four on that list was Easy E's Real Motherfucking G's. Number three was Second Round KO by Cannabis, who apparently was another person that had a beef with LL. It's about who strikes the hardest, not who strikes first. That's why I laugh when I hear that whack ass verse. That shit was the worst. Number two, Long Kiss Goodnight by Biggie. Nigga, please, blood flood your dungarees. And that's just the half on my war path. Laugh now, cry later. I rhyme greater than the average player hater and spectators. At this point, I'm like, I can't believe you didn't make this list. And then it got to number one. That's why I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker. Westside, bad boy killers. You know who the realest is, niggas. We bring it to Holy shit, number one? Really? I got a little bit excited, but then I started doubting myself again. And I thought, well, maybe this dude got it wrong. So I read the comments, and sure enough, there was a whole lot of love for Hit'em Up in the comment section. Then I came across another video with 4.2 million views that was titled 10 Best Diss Tracks of All Time. On that list, No Vaseline was number three, and number one was, you guessed it, Hit'em Up. I have to admit, 
I sort of felt like JD and his boys back in the day when they first heard No Vaseline. I wanted to run around and give a bunch of high fives to people. But I'm sitting here in a room by myself and there's no one to do that with. How, how can I explain how I felt? This is what it was like. You know that feeling you get when you turn in a paper or a test in school and you think you did a horrible job and you're worried you're going to get like a C or C minus and then you get it back and the teacher or the professor or, or whoever gives you an A and you're like, holy shit, hot damn. That is how I was feeling. Trust me. I'm not letting this go to my head. After I finish this episode, I'll go back to mostly listening to soundtrack playlists and Bossa Nova music with the occasional revisit of my favorite hip-hop playlist, The Best of Biggie and Tupac. Earlier I mentioned to you a filmmaker friend that we were having a conversation with. He's a colleague of mine from Atlanta named Isaac Dietz. Isaac is an extremely talented and accomplished filmmaker who has shot music videos for Grammy award-winning Christian rappers like Lecrae and Propaganda. In many ways, he's to white people what I am to black people. He grew up most of his life around black folk. So much of his love of music and his style of filmmaking are driven by that. One of the things I love about Isaac is how deep and profound he is. He's very well read on many topics and just seems to have his finger on the pulse of a lot of what's going on in the world. And he shared this profound comment about diss tracks and rap in general. The one thing that's really cool about hip hop, like really getting into it is uh, like it's present. It's like presence of yeah. what's happening right now. And so like with that, like I would love to be in that room, you know, like when you first heard that or in that car, oh I would God. love to be that because I know that he's talking about things that like I can't know because I didn't live in that time. Right. Of, like, you know, meeting with the president, all that stuff. It's like. But if you're if you're aware of your reality, and then uh, the a, a rapper will hit every thing that you're like, wow, they're pulling in pop culture, and they're pulling in, you know, and that's why I think like for me, Killshot, uh, like I said, I'm not like a big diss track as much, but like Killshot was something where I actually got to live through like the day it came out, yeah, and I got to hear like, oh, he's talking about like pop culture things like he's saying you sound like you get babysat by Lil Tay and Lil Tay is like this like YouTuber TikToker kind of thing <laughs> and it's like now Lil Tay is like nobody's talking about Lil Tay anymore right you know so it's like you kind of have to hit them when they come out mm -hmm. but so it's like the one that I'm going to relate to the most is the one that I actually felt like I was part of mm -hmm. um, same with like distract or like you know just freestyle ciphers like on 106 and Park like uh, like just once somebody says something they create the present moment that they could respond to and so like everyone is aware of the reality that they're going to pull from and that's why it's like so fun to watch like in real time you know earlier i mentioned the chael hadari coker joke on the off chance that a number of my white social media followers are listening Cheo is the hip-hop journalist for Vibe who wrote the Biggie Smalls biography and was the screenwriter for the Biggie biopic, Notorious. And for the record, I only know about him because I was doing research for this episode, so no shade on anyone listening who might not have known that name. <laughs> anyway, I came across an interview with him back in 2017 by Complex talking about his career. He starts sharing some of the lessons he learned early, and then he says this. And I think the most important lesson I learned from hip hop that I still apply to this day is be who you are. 
don't try to be more or less than who you are because rappers in particular, they, they just sniff through anything false. That comment from Cheo really affected me. Some strange, ironic twist. I think my honesty and vulnerability on this show, you know, admitting what I don't know about hip-hop or other aspects of black culture, and just laying my shit bare, actually makes me sort of like a hip-hop artist. At the end of the day, as provocative and even toxic as hip-hop and rap can be, There's a purity to it that's beautiful and sublime. It's raw. It's real. It's a form of music that speaks to the deep-seated pains and groanings I think we all have. Whether you're a world-renowned rapper who got shot five times and still comes back even louder and bolder than ever, or whether you're a disenfranchised Christian who's pissed off at the evangelical church's support for a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, regardless of color or creed, be true to yourself, because no one can take that away from you. Even though this has been a wildly entertaining adventure and extremely informative for my own edification, the truth of the matter is that all of this stuff is subjective. And like we've heard a number of times from three or four different people who all made the same observation or comment, that the song that meant the most to them was the one that was being played during some important or formative time in their lives. Where you were in the moment you heard it means everything. They represent moments in time that come to life and are imbued with their own form of immortality, burning bright and resounding as loud in our hearts as the day we first heard them in our ears. Hey, you're going to want to hang around after the credits for some post-credits goodness. Yeah, I feel like I'm at the tippy top of my game, looking down at the rafters. I had to sun these boys, can't leave them bastards. The Dungeons & Durex podcast is a production of Blade Runner Media and Bonnie and Clyde Productions and is part of the Ebony Covering Black American Podcast Network. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by yours truly, Ron Dawson. Special thanks to my black BFFs and co-hosts JD and Yolanda Cochran. No relation to Johnny. I also want to give a special shout out and thanks to Pro, Charles, Eric, Isaac, and Frederick. Music used in the show is licensed from Artless as well as Creative Commons songs. The clip of Deneen Borelli was from Blaze TV and thank the Lord she's no longer on the air. The clip of Chael Hadari Coker is from Complex's Blueprint series, a link to which is in the show notes. Sorry I'm taking me and my lady mating. She look me in the eyes and tell me how much she loving on my... Uh, confidence, yeah. It really shouldn't be no arguments. If you like our show, do all the podcasty things. You know, rate, review, share it with your friends and family. Let us know what you think about the show and the episode. Shoot us an email at podcast at dungeonsandurags.com. Or leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts with your thoughts, and we just may read it on the show, too. You can follow me on Twitter at Blade Ronner, that's Ronner with a no, and on the Instagram at Blurred Ronner. I write about politics, faith, business, and creative arts on Medium at rondawson.medium.com. You can follow JD on Twitter at that JD Cochran, and you can follow Yolanda at RatInAWill, with all the words separated by underscores, Every week, I tell her to change her Twitter handle, and she refuses, so you figure it out.
confident, yeah. Promise I'm really this the star in the shit. And yeah, you're now viewing the greatest of all time. No need for thank yous. The pleasure is all mine. That's my confidence. That's it for now. Stay safe out there. And remember, having white privilege is not bad. Denying it is. And in the absence of biblical certainty, choose love. Thanks for staying for our post-credits. Here's Charles sharing his thoughts about Nas versus Jay-Z and why those two went at it. One of my favorite, close second to hit him up, would be um, Nas with the uh, with the ether. Because mm-hmm. Nas, man, so it was crazy because when Jay-Z came out with the Nas disc record, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, oh, this is bigger than life. That's whole Nas, you're done. You know, he's being quiet. He's not saying nothing. Man, he comes back with that ether. And mm-hmm. it was like, like, <laughs> dude, I, it, man, it, can I make that face again? Like, right. Jay-Z, like, and Jay-Z is probably, like, my number one artist. Like, I, right. I fool with him. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big Godfather fan. And, uh, you know, in, in one of the scenes in the, in the Godfather, when uh, Kay, Michael's wife, comes to him to ask him a question about what happened in the uh, in the Senate trial. He said, K, it's between the brothers. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, the disrap uh, between Jay-Z and and, uh, and Nas is, is between the brothers. Like the way that they handled it, you know, they're, they're both professionals. I'm, uh, they're on good terms today, but they went toe to toe. And I felt like that arena was like, that arena was crazy. But Nas comes in in second for me as my favorite disc record. Yeah. Uh, as of this recording, I have not yet watched that one, but I will make a point. <laughs> you got to, man. <laughs> Ron, listen. <laughs> That's going to be a cut. Anything, go listen to the Jay-Z disc first, and okay. then listen. you have to listen to them in sequence, and then wait like a couple days so you can at least simulate what happened, right. and then listen to the Nas record. Got it. And they're dissing each other, just to be clear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By name. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, what no. was it that prompted it? What prompted the first disc? Uh, you know what? I don't know the history on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just, just like high level, I don't know the actual details. I'd have to research it, but high level is when there's a King that's sitting on top. Nas was like, like the lyrical King, right. you know, he was, he was known for that. Um, while Jay-Z was pretty famous for his lyrics, like, you know, he, he really didn't have the throne on the lyrical level. Mm-hmm. Like the throne wasn't necessarily his. Right. And uh, so I know that when you're at the top, like, you know, if you're wanting to be at the top, you got to remove the top guy, just like in boxing. So I, right. I think hip hop sort of, that's just sort of like the, the foundational surface. I don't know what other details there were behind that. Right, right, right. This commentary from Charles is not too unlike an observation Isaac made when JD and I were talking to him. Your, what's your favorite diss rap and why? <sighs> so my first thought in... I'll just say it is a kill shot, I think was something to kill shot by him and M. Have you heard mm, this one? Probably not. That, oh man. Uh, so machine gun Kelly. Yeah. That, it was just recently, like some, last year. Yeah. Cause he complimented Eminem's daughter saying she looked cute or something. Yeah. And then it just set him off. Yeah. But he also like did his whole like rap devil as a, a side to rap God. And to me, I think that it revived the spirit of diss tracks. Cause I feel like I haven't really heard a good diss track in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it kind of made people, cause I think it's kind of like wrestling in a lot of ways where it's like, 
you know, let's let's have a public debate, you know, over hip hop or rap so we could, you know, drive more sales right. and stuff like that. Of course, that's battling like battling part of hip hop. That's where it all yes, started. I, mean, exactly. I used to break that. I was a B-boy, original B-boy exactly. back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Dance and your crew go against. So it's all exactly. part of the nature of it. Yeah, exactly. You want to find what humans do is they look for the opponents that are going to challenge them the furthest. It's like if you're a basketball player, you're not afraid of Michael Jordan. You actually want to play against him. Everyone right. that's ever played basketball is like, I want to test my abilities against the greatest to see if I'm also the greatest. Right. Like mm-hmm. Every Western movie about like being right. the get- best, fastest gunslinger in town, you want to test it. And so I think that kill shot was one word. I saw the diss track getting revived um, in a lot of ways. I, there are definitely, I don't have a lot of favorite diss tracks as much as like, I have like the lines that I'm like, Ooh, I know that that was like something. And so like Kendrick Lamar's uh, line and King Kuta that, uh, what did he say about, um, you know, talking about like rappers having ghostwriters and they, uh, <laughs> you know, you have more bells bars in a two man cell, you know, like <laughs> you're sharing bars, like, uh, he said it in a way I can't remember, but like the the way he said it is like you're sharing your bars, mm-hmm. and like I was like, right. man, that's good. Right. And you're also in the bottom bunk of a two man cell, uh, so it's like <laughs> golly. Um, and then like, so I found out that one of my favorite songs by Mob Depp or Deep is uh, I downloaded Mob Deep uh, on Napster a long time ago, and they spelled it Depp. So I've mm. always said mob deaf and people are right. like, it's mob deep. And I'm like, well, I, it was Napster. So, <laughs> um, so with mob deep, I, uh, I heard, well, with the little Kim track is apparently, yeah. um, going after Foxy Brown. So there's some, there's that's a that's great like part a of first, the song. I love that. Oh, damn yeah. ho. Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> oh man, it flows so well. Uh, so yeah, I like that line, uh, or that, that whole song just as a whole, but I think it doesn't fit the question because I don't like it because it's a diss track. In fact, I didn't even know it was originally a diss track. I just mm. loved it. I heard that piano. Actually the, <laughs> the music video for that is, well, they, I think they have a couple, but the one without Lil' Kim where, where they're like from hype Williams, the, mm. that he's like hiding from the SWAT team that video i remember seeing that on mtv too when i was a kid and going like oh my god this is so cool yeah so uh that's a What's great the name one. of that one again uh mob deep quiet storm quiet storm quiet storm oh, cool. and then there's a remix with little kim who disses foxy brown in fact one funny story that kind of put me in my place i was hanging out in the car with my girlfriend and her son who's about 16 and the radio mentions uh machine gun kelly and so in an attempt to utilize my newfound knowledge about diss tracks, I mentioned, hey, uh, didn't Eminem do a, a diss track against Machine Gun Kelly? And then her son says, that was like five years ago. Thanks for hanging around, folks. See you in two weeks.